0: Let me start off with this, this story that fits into what I'm going to talk about very well today that, that, that two guys told me about. They were on an African safari, and so they were out there uh, um, traveling and doing the, I've never been on an African safari, so whatever you do on a, on a safari thing, and, uh, and they were doing the, the traveling and, and, and had their guns, and I don't even know what they are hunting, but anyway, they stopped for lunch, Okay. And they stop for lunch and they sit down, and they find them a log, and they they have a seat and they sit down and eating their peanut butter and jelly sandwich or whatever. And uh, and they, they look out there and they see this bird. This bird's you know just flying around crazy, just one bird, just kind of flying around crazy, and he dive into the ground, hit the ground, and come back up. And he fly around a little more, he dive, hit the ground, come back up. And he dive around, and he'd just kept on doing that over and over. And they're like, what in the world is wrong with that bird? So they stood up there on the log they are sitting on and trying to get a look up. And they saw what it was, was this big snake. I mean, it was like 12 foot long, just slithering through the grass. And this bird, which is about that big, just kept diving and hitting that snake on the back and flying up. And they're like, that crazy bird? That, that snake don't even feel the bird. I mean, it's not doing anything. What in the world is that? That, that snake's too, too big for that bird to eat. It's just, man, that bird's crazy. And so they kept watching it. And that snake kept slithering through the, the grass. And, and so they, they look up, they look at the tree, it's, go, it's headed toward a tree. And they, they kind of look up in there because they hear this chirping, you know, chirp, 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 little baby birds is up in this tree in a nest. And these just just tiny baby birds, they're just a chirping away. And, and, that, and that, so they figured out, hey, that's the mother bird trying to keep that snake from getting up to her babies. And so that bird kept diving and, and hitting that snake, and nothing happened. And that snake gets to the base of the tree. And then the mother bird just disappears. She flies away. And they're like, oh, I can't believe that mother bird just gave up and just going to leave her babies there for that, for that snake. So that snake is, starts to slither up the, up the base of that tree, trying to get closer to the limb where those baby birds on that nest are, are, are out on. And then, then all of a sudden, that bird, the mama bird, brings back a a branch with some leaves on it, and she flies up there to the nest, and you know, in bird talk, you know, get down, get down in the nest, cover it up, yeah, and it puts this branch over the over the nest, and those baby birds they got down under their breath, and they didn't say a word. They've been chirping like crazy this whole time. They put mother put that branch over the nest, and they just were quiet. And then the mama bird, she flies over to another tree up high and just, just sits there not doing anything. And that snake is slithering up the tree. Man, those guys standing up there said, like that little branch with some leaves is going to stop that snake. I can't. They're, I mean, the snake's already seen her and they can't be hiding. And so that snake is slithering up the base of the tree, getting closer and closer to that nest of those babies that are hiding under the branch of leaves. And remind me to finish the story at the end. Don't let me forget. While I'm doing that, turn over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 1. John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in, in a second time into the mother's womb and be born Answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify things, and you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you the heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up. And these, two, these last two verses, or 14 and 15, is, is going to be important today. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now Nicodemus, for years, he had he'd been trudging through life with, with loneliness, with frustration with a nagging sense of, of, of emptiness, okay? So one evening, he comes to Jesus, and he's looking for answers. So Jesus, knowing Nicodemus, m- met him where he is, where he was. Isn't that interesting? How Jesus meets us where we are, you know? When he talked to the fishermen, what do he do? He's talked about, about um, salvation in terms of fishing for men, When he talked to the Samaritan woman, he he explained salvation in terms of the water, which she drew from the well. When he talked to the blind man in in John 9, he explained salvation in terms of sight and vision. So Nicodemus here, Jesus knowing Nicodemus, knowing this, he he knows that Nicodemus was an expert in Old Testament studies. He had devoted his life to studying every word, every paragraph, every page of the Old Testament. So Jesus talked of salvation here to Nicodemus of an incident which occurred in um, the Old Testament here. Numbers chapter 21. This is the story here of of Moses leading the children of Israel through the desert of Sinai to, to the promised land. And all along the way, the people had grumbled, complained. They distrusted God. I know you've heard the stories of the children of Israel. last day. I mean, how in the world can you sit there in the, the, red, the, the parting of the Red Sea and you walk through it and you still question and, and, and grumble and complain about what in the world are we doing? You know, how it's hot out here, you know? And so they, they were still grumbling and complaining. The Lord had patiently provided for them this whole time and it guided their every move. But here, in verse, in, in, look over in Numbers chapter 21, verse, starting in verse 4, where he talks about, then he says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. You know how when you when you get discomforted, dis or you get mad, or you get angry, and you get uh, um, just 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 not happy, you you kind of exaggerate a little bit. You know, you you say things that you know logically you know don't make sense. Look look right here. They said in one. Uh, In the same verse there, same sentence there. For there is no food, they're complaining, there's no food and no water. And then right after that, say, our soul loathes, we don't like this bread. So there's bread. They just don't like it. What were they saying right before that? There's nothing. I mean, what? Have you ever had kids, your, your kid come up to you and say, you never let me do anything. Okay, it's not exactly true, right? I mean, you do let them, you know, do something there, but they're not doing what they want to do. And they're not really happy at the moment, and so it's like you never let us do anything. You know, you uh um you ever said um um uh, wives, you ever said to your husband, you never take out the trash? Yeah, you know, it's not true. You do. You just didn't do it at that time when they wanted you. To, okay, um you know um you know husbands ever say you know to your wife you say you are always late. Okay, well, they're not always late, just happen to be at the time. So, so it's like when you get disgruntled, when you get and you're complaining and you're just kind of blowing things up, you know, exaggerating things that when you logically think about them don't quite make sense, okay? It's not exactly right. So that's where they were. That's where the children of Israel here were. They had a negative, a bitter, complaining attitude, and that was detestable in the sight of God. We're getting ready to find out how detestable that was. Andrew Carnegie was one of the wealthiest men in America back in the early 1900s. He was was the the largest steel manufacturer in the United States. At one time, he had 43 millionaires working for him. And this was back in the days when it was rare to be a millionaire, Um, and that was a very big deal. Um, Someone asked him how he developed his personnel, these people, and he said, well, The men are developed the same way that gold is mined. When gold is mined, several tons of dirt must be moved to get an ounce of gold. But one doesn't go into the mine looking for dirt. One goes in looking for gold. In each of our lives, there's a lot of dirt. Just just problems. When you look at the circumstances of our life, when you look at your job, when you look at your family issues, when you look at your church even, there can be a lot of dirt because we're not perfect. Our loved ones aren't perfect. There can be disappointments, hardships, imperfections, and we can start to concentrate on those imperfections, those um, unhappy times, and we become disgruntled. We become frustrated we become critical because we're focusing on the hardships, on the liabilities, instead of the assets. Now, we can concentrate on these and put us in a spot to where we're blowing everything up. You know, we're saying things that aren't exactly the right. Well, that's that's where the children of Israel here were. We see the we can see we get to a point where we see the dirt. And not the gold. And this is a sin against God. We're saying, Lord, you've given me burdens instead of blessings. You surrounded me with with, uh, crazy people. You're playing tricks on me. Erwin Lutzer in his book, Managing Your Emotion, puts it well. He says, every complaint against the circumstances of life that can't, unless they can be changed by us, is in reality a complaint against God. Well, the children of Israel had complained one too many times. Look in, verse, in Numbers chapter 21, verse 6. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Like, what? These people were complaining. I mean, they were griping and complaining and aggravated. And God sent Snakes. To bite them and kill them? Whew. That's how detestable this was to God. Now, it doesn't really say what kind of snakes these were, but many experts believe that they were carpet vipers, which was, which was uh, known around that region there. And uh, these snakes, they had long and, sin- and slender um, bodies with, uh, with their small heads, which contained a large pair of, of long, curved, fangs that were hollow to the tip. They could strike like lightning and they were very easily irritable and easily provoked. The scales of these carpet vipers were rough and produced this distinct rasping sound as they slithered through the sand. You know how sand just, just going, they're going over the sand. And Now, perhaps you can imagine that the, the terror of the Israelites as they heard this going through and people were getting bit and screaming and they heard would hear this day and night. Now this was a depiction of Satan and sin. The first glimpse we have of, of Satan, of the devil, in Genesis 3, finds him possessing the body of a serpent. In one of the last glimpses we have of Satan in the book of Revelation, he's called that old serpent. He slithers around, tempting, coiling, striking, biting. He induces us to sin, and sin leads to death. Well, this being a depiction of, of all humanity throughout history, a disobedience and the devil have infested our hearts and those those people's hearts um, and our homes, like an outbreak of vipers, and the entire human race has been affected by the poison of sin, the venom of evil. You have it inside you, I have it inside me. The Bible says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the scripture warns that the wages of sin is death, puts those together. All have sinned, sin is death. Puts them together there. So what are we to do? Is there an antidote? Jesus is saying, telling Nicodemus this story for a reason. Is there an antidote? Is there a a serum? Is there any hope? Let's read on. Verse 7, Numbers chapter 21. It says, therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he takes away the serpent from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Now, notice the genuine repentance here. Their awareness of their evil attitude. They confessed, we have sinned. That's one of the hardest things to do, to admit you're wrong. admit you've done something wrong. I mean... I have it. We have it. We all have a hard time. You just keep wanting to come up with uh, this is the reason why this happened or blame someone else or or come up with an excuse. or It's just, just to settle down and say, my fault. I was wrong. It's hard for most people to do. They came and they said, we have sinned. We were wrong. And they had genuine repentance and awareness of what their sin was. So they come to Moses, asking him, Moses, come on, talk to God. Help us out a little bit here, okay? Verse 8, Numbers chapter 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was: if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, this, the children of Israel, the serpent, snake on the pole, Moses, was what Jesus was telling Nicodemus the story of. Okay, Nicodemus. The Old Testament philosopher, he studied, he knew all about the Old Testament. So Jesus was telling him in the New Testament about this story that was in the Old Testament. So what what Jesus is is saying here, this brings us back to those those words that he said to Nicodemus. Verse 14 and 15, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should Not perish, but have eternal life. So what Jesus is saying here is that hideous, that repulsive coiling snake was a prophetic depiction of Jesus himself. It was a picture of him becoming sin. And this is Jesus himself telling Nicodemus, this is the depiction. This is what's to happen. Him being crucified and him hanging on a pole. That's what he's sharing here with Nicodemus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be a sin offering for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 8.3 says, For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man was lifted up in crucifixion. What's our responsibility? Our responsibility, what's he say? Look and live. Look and live. That's our responsibility. And I can imagine, because I know people, I know me, I know people. You know, there's, you know, over a million Israelites, right? So I'm sure they put the, the, the serpent on the pole, snake on the pole in, in some central located place there. And so people who are far out on the outskirts of it, they got bit. You know, they would have to go through, you know, some of the crowd and, and maybe get help and, and get, you know, it may take them a little while to get to where that pole was. Knowing people. I'm sure. I just, I just, and it's not in the Bible. This is my ology thinking. That you get, they, I'm sure there's people who get bit. I say, ah, I'll take care of it myself. You know how they do in those westerns. They get their knife out and they cut it. And Suck out the poison and spit it out. You know how how they how they do that. I, I hope that never happens to me, and I have to. I hope you don't get bit, and I am the one that has to suck it out of, of you. We're both in trouble if that happens. But uh, but in, in, you know, I'm sure there are people there that hey, I can take care of this myself. Okay, here, give me give, give me. Let me let me suck this out, or or let me put a bandage on it, or let me get this uh, um, whatever oil or, or medication they thought they had to put on it and, and see if they could take care of it because that's just too far. And look, at a pole and I'm, and I'm healed. You're right, you know. And that's what we, isn't that what we do? I mean, we got the Bible here. It tells us, shares us the things that, hey, this is what to do. I'm telling you here, you do this and this will happen to you. And we look at this, that's that's a lot of trouble. I don't want to obey God's word. I don't want to have to do go through all that. And I'll take care of it myself. And it starts getting deeper and deeper. you start getting in more problems because you're trying to take care of the stuff instead of looking to Jesus. What does the word look mean? It means to turn your attention to Christ, to focus your life upon him. Gaze into his eyes, absorb his love for you. Believe him, receive him into your heart. Make him the Lord of your life. How hard. He's telling us, that's our responsibility, to look. He has put the help. He has put it there. But he gives us a responsibility to do. Look and live, is what he's saying here. Now, that snake... It got to the base of that tree. Thanks for reminding me, by the way. He's slithering up the base of the tree. That branch with the leaves are over that nest, and those birds are quiet. And the mama bird's up on the tree just watching. The snake is slithering, getting closer to the branch that that goes out to the nest. And those guys standing up there on the the log there, I, I can't believe that that mama, why don't she just go try and pick one at a time? And take him somewhere else, away from that snake. But that mama just stood there, on that on that branch. The snake finally gets to the limb that the nest is on. It starts slithering down that limb. It's getting closer to the nest where those baby birds are. And he lifts up his head. And oh, those guys are! Here it comes. They get the camera out. You know how, you know YouTube. You know, one of YouTube. I don't know. But then they're watching They Get the camera out. All of a sudden, the snake list is set up. He opens his mouth and he leans over the nest. And boom! He turns around, goes down the limb and slithers down the tree and gets down to the base of the tree and he gets out in the jungle and just slithers off as fast as a snake can slither off. That mama flies over there, flips the branch off the nest. The baby birds, they, oh, mama, 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 thank you, thank you. Chirp, chirp, chirp. They start chirping again. Oh, thank you, thank you. You're so great. I love you, mama. Oh, man. Where's my food? Oh, mama, you're so great. And so, and they're just chirping away. Well, the guys, they're standing on this log back here and they're watching all this. All right. Dude, what just happened? So they go over there to the bottom of the tree and they find that, that, that branch with the leaves on it and they pick it up and they go to their guide that's been guiding them through this, to the jungle on this safari. And they they tell him the story. And they show him this branch of of leaves. And he said, oh, that is the the branch is very, very poisonous to that snake. And only that branch of that that leaf, that bush, that branch that those leaves come from is poisonous to the snake. How in the world does that bird know that? How does he know to fly around in the jungle and finally find the bush that protects his, her babies? You think if God can put that in a bird, he doesn't put it in us? Where he says, what is the next, where he loves us so much, what is the next verse? The very next verse. See, Jesus wants to do that for you. He wants to cover you with the blood of Jesus. He wants to protect you from that old serpent. What's the very next verse? He's talking to Nicodemus here. He's gone through this whole story explain that to him. The very next verse is the one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. That famous verse, that so powerful of a verse, came at the end of this story to Nicodemus. That's who he's talking to. That's why he's explaining. Jesus wants to cover you with the blood. He's telling us, look and live. You ever heard a song? Look and live, my brother live. Look to Jesus now and live. That's what, that's what he's saying right here. All we have to do, and there is the, the responsibility. Jesus has provided the way, and he's given us that responsibility to look and live. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. Musicians come forward. We're going to sing a verse or two of invitation. And if you're in that spot, you That God has um, provided you the way out, but you're just, I can take care of it. I can handle this myself. Don't worry about it. I don't want to do what God tells me to do. I want to do what I want to do. And he's saying, look and live. There may be somebody here that all of us have our own pride, our own thing that we can we feel like we can handle God says let me take care of it I'll take care of it just look to me give it to me let's pray our Heavenly Father Lord thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins And Lord you provided a way for all of us to look to you for salvation for life eternal life in heaven and for you to guide us on our life's journey. And Lord, help us to throw away that pride that, that uh, on those issues that we have that we can take care of it ourselves and, and, and look to you so we can live. Lord, if there be anybody here today that needs to just give it all to you, that may be going through all, who knows, what different areas that, that um, come up in our life. But Lord... Help us all to have the the faithfulness, the wherewithal to just give it to you and admit that we have sinned. And Lord, take care of me. Let me give my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray.